Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. If you're a regular listener, you know that I started this show, gosh, almost five years ago with the intent of myself having access to really smart people. If I know anything, I know that success leaves clues. So if you're ever hungry to do more, if you need more access uh, to success, get around people who are doing successful things. And whether they mean it or not, they will give you an idea, a theory, a little nugget of information, something that will help inspire you. We are now up to over 460 episodes of this show, so there has been a lot of information and clues dropped along the way, and today is going to be no different. Uh, Today, I have my friend, Sean Rhodes. Now, Sean is another one of these professional speaker types. I know people tell me I have lots of them on this show uh, just because that's who my friends are. And I got to tell you, they do cool stuff. And what I like about Sean is he specializes in leadership and he helps companies and organizations get all of their people going in a single file line so that they're going to achieve more. And if you've ever herded cats, uh, you know that you need to have someone like Sean Rhodes coming in and talking to your organization. So, Sean, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I am super happy to be here, Tom, crossing the continent. I'm out of Tampa, Florida today, so reaching through the, the, the fiber optics and the cables and such to get to your ear. It's all pretty cool. So, so, you know, most news stories begin with, there was a guy in Florida. Oh, of course. So yeah, that's, 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 that, that's always you. You actually have your shoes on, so I, I don't know if, that's, uh, the, if you're going to show up in any news articles. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry, Florida. I was just Texans have to take a shot at Californians in Florida because we're the better oh. state. Of course. We, um, we take shots at Texans all the time. Don't worry. We don't hear it, so it's all right. Um, <laughs> hey, tell everybody, what is your business? I mean, I don't really read the bio, so I just say, hey, he's this like leadership speaker. Who are you and what yeah, do you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I do probably most of my revenue in keynote speeches to associations, conventions, uh, business retreats. Wait a minute. Of- Stop the interview. That means that you're my competitor. Wait a minute. We don't interview oh, competitors. Man. No, wait. Don't, don't hire Sean Rhodes. I take that back. No, I'm just kidding. Keep going. <laughs> no, so the uh, the interesting thing about our industry, in case Tom hasn't revealed it in one of his past podcasts, is that there's always room for more of us. Um, so if you have any inkling of being a professional speaker, there's plenty of places that will pay you to come in and talk because each of us has a slightly different value proposition, the solutions that we provide to them. So I always tell people that a speaker is not a commodity. No matter how much people try to say, I've got a slot to fill, I need someone who can stand and speak, the reality right. is is that it's not a commodity item. Exactly. And as, as entrepreneurs, you know, that's the, the purpose of what we're all here to talk about. Um, our time is the most valuable thing we have. And I just left uh, another uh, podcast session for webinar session where the speaker, one of the top sales speakers in the world actually started speaking about his days, his days that he was going out to talk. Every day he had 80, 86 days, maybe 85 days that he could be on the road speaking. The rest of it was allocated to his family and vacation. That was his inventory. 
So he was actually thinking about his available time as inventory in his business. That's a pretty cool thing to do. So his inventory, his inventory is smaller than mine because he has infant. <laughs> yeah, me he too. Has, he has infant twins. He does have infant twins. You've got, you've got young child. So it's, uh, it's I do. It's, yeah, she's asleep in the next room. Actually, you may end up hearing her later. I was just going to say that I'm going to be really loud as we do this. Yeah. Nothing like waking a sleeping baby when it's somebody else's. Oh, it's a beautiful thing to do. <laughs> I, I will tell you, it's a different business when you're on the road about a hundred plus days a year. I was on the road 120 days a year. When your kids are off at college or they're in high school, they don't care where you are. When your kids are littler, this is a different game. Yeah, absolutely it is. Yeah, so we have a lot of fun. And so but part of my business model is always trying to figure out how do I deliver more services and more value not having to be on the road. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. Awesome. So what led you to be an entrepreneur? You worked for the Department of Defense. Before that, you were in the military. You know, A lot yeah. of people just say, hey, I'm, I'm, this is a great gig. I'm, I'm going to stay here till pension. You didn't do that. And it was a great gig, and that, that was an option for me. Um, I realized that the amount of work that they expected out of everybody, because it's the government, because it's a bureaucracy, they had to set the bar pretty low. Not to say that civil servants and government workers don't do awesome work, because they do, but they're playing with a lot of people, and not all of them have the same work ethic. So there's a lot of employees, differing work ethics. They've got to set the bar low to keep everybody in the game, so to speak. Otherwise, they would just, you know, because of performance reviews, kick everybody out. I was one of those people that had a really high work ethic, but I wasn't being challenged. And so in 2012, they sequestered the entire civilian workforce of the government. Uh, they did this recently last year as well when they couldn't figure out about their budget. So their, their punishment to Congress for not deciding on a budget, send all of your employees home. And so I thought I had a very secure job. It was a tenured position. I was permanent party personnel. I basically had to do something illegal to get fired. Or I could have worked there, pensioned out at 30 years or whatever. Um, but when they sent me home, I realized, man, this is not a secure position. The, the paycheck I was getting is now dependent upon two warring parties in, in the nation's capital. That's not the business I want to be in. And I had just been married, didn't have a kid yet, uh, didn't have a you know, big mortgage payment yet. So was, that was the time. If I was ever going to start my career as an entrepreneur and take that risk, that was the moment. But uh, looking back on it now, if anybody's listening to this and you've got the family, you, you've got the mortgage, you've got the kids, all that is going on for you. There's no better time than right now. It's not going to get any easier. Even if you don't quit your full-time job, start your business now because there, there is a spin-up curve. There is a, a, you know, a, a learning curve to being an entrepreneur and you want to start that as soon as possible in order to be successful down the road. So you can deliver that note to your boss. I'm leaving and I'll see you later. So it's interesting that you bring up that topic, the podcast episode directly before this one. If you go back, I, I believe that's episode 460 and this is episode 461, but that's causing me to use my brain. So it's somewhere yeah. around there. The one that aired, the one that posted right before this one a couple days ago was about okay. life after college. Ah. And I was inspired by a blog post by Gary Vaynerchuk that said, mm -hmm. look, you're graduating from college. You've got a five-year window. You probably don't have kids. You're probably not married. You probably, you know, you might have student debt, but besides that, you don't have anything uh, really holding you back. Now is the time to go explore and find out what your heart wants to do. Uh, and if you want to be an entrepreneur, it's the time to start creating because if you fail, who cares? You're 22. Right, and right. that post that I read by, by Gary, coupled with the fact that last Sunday, just five days ago, my daughter graduated from Carnegie Mellon University. So I spent mm -hmm. the weekend in Pittsburgh going to far too many ceremonies. She had a, yeah. an award ceremony for being graduating with honors. Uh, there was a, a degree ceremony for her second degree, which was history. There was the business administration degree from the Tepper School of Business. And then there was the all school thing. And I've decided that uh, when my next kid graduates college, I think we just pick one ceremony. We don't. Hey, you need, need to quit breeding over 
overachievers, they don't buddy. Need four. Yeah, no, you know, it's 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 funny because uh, the the graduating with honors, it's because she aced her all A's her final semester. She didn't think wow. she was graduating with honors, and the day before the ceremony, she got an email that said, uh, "Congratulations on a great semester. You're now uh, yeah. you now moved up, but you got another ceremony to drag your parents to." Absolutely. But, but the yeah. com- the combination of Gary's talk and that and and her desire not to do the nine to five or mm-hmm. you know eight to seven. Uh, sort of corporate America gig, but really to carve her own path in the world caused me to do a, a blog post about the fact that my only regret in life is that I didn't start this entrepreneurship thing when I was younger. I did what society and my parents expected sure. me to do. So I, when you said that, it was like, oh, this is the topic of the week. Yeah. And, and something for your listeners as well, because I'm sure there are a few of them out there that don't have that college degree. They don't even have an associate's degree. Maybe they didn't even graduate high school, but they want to start their own business. Um, I get to work with some of the largest companies on the planet, multinational organizations. Not one of them has asked me as an entrepreneur providing services to them, where did you go to college? I need you to send proof that you graduated from a university. Nobody cares because unless you're working inside of an organization, you don't need a college degree. What you need is to be able to provide value and services or products, whatever it is that you're offering to them as an entrepreneur. That's what they care about. Not the names behind or the letters behind your name or that degree you have on the wall. I I fully agree. And in fact, one of the top people in our industry right now who is out there educating some of the top, you know, Fortune 100 companies, sales teams, never went to college. He just kind of created his own path in the world and he's not shy about it. I mean, he talks about the fact that, you know, he's a doer and that's the path that he chose and none of his clients are like, oh, well, wait a minute. In order to teach us to sell, you probably had to have a PhD from Harvard. They just want to get their people out there getting to results. And which is interesting, it ties into what I speak about is this gap between potential and performance. And Mm -hmm. it's so interesting because one of the things I tell people is, is look, just because you have potential doesn't mean that you're going to achieve. There's a lot of people graduating from top-tier universities who are going to have mediocre careers. And there mm-hmm. are people who didn't finish high school who are going to just change the world. So it's not what it says on paper potential is. It has to do with the actions that, that you sort of take. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the, the, the thing that I'd say, because it's a great segue, Tom, because I, I do this a lot in my business where we're looking at how do you turn potential into performance? Um, one of the, the the monikers I use for one of my job titles is I'm an, I'm an expert in high-performing organizations and teams. And so I study what differentiates an organization or a team that uh, has all the resources in the world but can't perform to one of these you know scruffy little startups that is just taking over their industry and their market with less resources, less money, less funding, less people, uh, less technology, and yet they're still going out there and making a difference. And so um, I'll, I'll let you lead the, you know, the conversation to where you think would be best for your, for your listeners, but uh, that's definitely a, a topic I'm passionate about. No, in fact, let's let's just go there. So let's talk about that. What is it? What is it that causes that difference? I mean, what is it that causes certain little scrappy companies to be able to bulldoze their way to the top when other groups that everybody thinks, oh, they should do it because they're the the behemoth, they should have the potential, they get stuck. Yeah, and especially as it applies to entrepreneurs, you're probably working with a small team or no team. And that's where I'm at as well. When I started my business, it was just Sean Rhodes sitting in his home office trying to figure out what to do next to generate revenue because the bills come due whether we want them to or not. You know, the bank's not going to say, oh, you're, you're, you're on the path of being an entrepreneur. We'll just hold that mortgage payment for a while. You, you let us know when you're ready. Never happens like that. And so what I found the difference to be both for entrepreneurs and for teams in larger organizations that were accomplishing a lot with less resources, because not every team has the same amount of resources, they were providing themselves a very clear vision of what success looked like down the road. 
they were crystal clear about that, almost to the point where they could visualize it. You, you could ask them, tell me what a day in the life of you having achieved that goal looks like, and they could lay it out for you. And for some of them, it was aspirational. You know, we're going to change the world in this way, or we're going to uh, you know, start a nonprofit to be able to alleviate this type of suffering on the planet. Or it was business related. We're going to be the leader in this particular industry offering this service or this product. And they had that vision first. And once they had that vision, they were very good at backing out what needed to happen that quarter, you know, this year, all the way down to this week to today. And I, I use that same methodology in my business. And there's a couple of great books about it we can refer your listeners to. Um, one is The One Thing by a guy named Gary Keller. He was the founder of Keller Williams. He lives here in Austin, Texas, because that's where that's where all Keller Williams was founded. When, when I moved yeah. here, it was a it was a a two office real estate firm. It's now the biggest behemoth in residential real estate. Exactly. In the world. Yeah. And his methodology is brilliant for me because with as an entrepreneur, there are so many things I could be doing in my day. My schedule, you know, I never get it all done inside of a day or a week or a month, no matter how hard I work or how many hours I work. And so in order to have a life outside of my office and outside of being on the road, delivering keynotes and consulting, I have to be able to figure out what is it that I can accomplish today that'll drive furthest toward that goal that I have in my business and in my personal life. And I get that one thing done first. I put everybody else's agendas on hold. I shut my email down, shut off Facebook notifications and say, what is it that I can do right now? It's going to make the biggest difference. And I only know what that thing is that I can do right now to make the biggest difference because I know what my annual goal is for my business and my personal life. I know what I have to accomplish each quarter to build to that annual goal down to the month, down to the week, down to the day. And while this sounds really anally retentive, um, entrepreneurs are by their nature very scattershot. And in, in, in how they, they apply themselves to their business, because there are so many things we could be doing to serve our customers, to grow our customer base, grow our market share. It's, it's tough to choose among the dozens of options. So if you really only have one thing that you know needs to be done today and you can knock that out and then shut the laptop down and go hang out by the pool or go hang out with your friends or your significant other and be OK with that, then you know that's the one thing. So I, I use that as the differentiator between myself and a successful entrepreneurs that I know in the teams that I've been studying around the world in more than two dozen countries in really dangerous environments that each have that clear vision and they know what needs to happen down to right now in order to make that vision a reality. So it's interesting because it's a little different, but it, it sort of triggered something in my mind that I'm doing this year in 2019 that's different than in the past. And that is I usually had three or four or five goals that mm. I was working for. And 2018 was sort of a flat year, maybe a little bit down. And it kind of got me sad, right? My my emotions are tied very much to sales in my business. And so sure. 2018 wasn't my stellar year. And it was the first time ever in 10 years that I didn't have that. So my goal, instead of having four or five or six different goals that I wanted to accomplish in my business – if I look over at my board, it says 2019, one goal. One goal. And, and, and the goal is do something every day that helps lead to sales. Now, that's a go. lot of different activities. I've, I've revamped my search engine optimization. If you go search uh, keywords around professional speakers and keynote speakers, and motivational speakers, I never ranked. I mean, there's, there's 10,000, 20,000 oh, yeah. of us out there. Uh, I didn't show up. Now, in certain things, if you search keynote speaker Austin, I think I'm number one. Uh, so I spent time because that leads to helping. I mean, it doesn't make the phone ring off the hook, but it leads right. to it's an activity that can lead to sales. So search engine optimization was one. Uh, doing more video uh, was one. Uh, the way I was working with LinkedIn was one. And so every day I mm -hmm. pick a thing that has the basis of leading to sales. Now, some of them are A-level activities and some of them might be B. I try not to do C-level activities too much. Sure. 
But my main goal, my main activity every day, that's that first thing, like you said, you shut everything else down, you get one thing done. It has to be something that sets the groundwork uh, for sales. And like you said, it doesn't have to be a major life altering, you know, mountain shifting activity as far as the result that it produces today. A person much wiser than me once said that we underestimate what we can get done in a day and we overestimate what we can get done in a year. Uh, something like that. I think that the you know, point being is that, um, you know, we, we do these many small things every single day and we underestimate the impact they can have. Whereas we look at the whole year and it's like, oh, we could never get that big goal done. But it takes these small things that you do every single day and build on them. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you one piece of tactical implementation advice for your listeners that has found has been incredibly powerful for me and my business. Um, and I speak about it on stage. It's called the rule of five. And what it is, is we capture five things in my business every single week. Problems, challenges, objections that we heard, uh, software issues, tried to get this out of a customer, they didn't respond to me, any, anything that could go wrong inside of an entrepreneur's life, we're capturing. But I make my team bring me five of those things every single week. And what we do is we hack through. Okay, that happened, so next time we're going to do this instead of what failed this week. And by doing that, five things every single week, we gradually improve the performance of the overall business because we never have to deal with that problem again. And so I don't care what product it is you're selling or what service it is you're offering. You're probably running into challenges over and over and over. Sometimes as entrepreneurs, we get smart enough to solve the challenges on our own. And when we start bringing on team members, those same challenges start hitting them up because they didn't have to solve them. So we're we're trying to build a, a, a platform. We can talk about this as well, where I can step away from the business. It runs on its own because I have a team of people trained in every mistake that we've ever made in the course of the six years that I've been in business. And that just happens from every single week, very disciplined manner, capturing five new challenges and solving them, building them into our processes so we never experience that again. So you're a systems guy. So, yeah, so so let's talk a little bit about, especially for someone who's just starting out, uh, you know, you said earlier, a lot of entrepreneurs are, are sort of scatterbrained, scattershot in what they do. Mm-hmm. I, I know I am. So what's the importance of systems and why should somebody listening give a shit, uh, care? Absolutely. Yeah. It's my important. show. I can say that. You can say whatever you want, Tom. This is your world. The importance of systems. Uh, we're looking at where we want our businesses to be long range. And so if you haven't thought about it yet, it's a good idea. Am I building the kind of business that is always going to require me to be there? That's not going to be a saleable asset because it's going to be tied to Tom Singer Incorporated. And unless Tom stays with the organization, no one's going to trust Tom Singer Incorporated without Tom. Or are you building an organization that one day you'll be able to step away from and say, this is a company rather than just a personality. And you can even look at uh, Tony Robbins, right? Tony Robbins International, Tony Robbins Incorporated. Tony is the, the face behind the organization, sure, but they run so many profitable activities without Tony needing to be there. So he set himself up in kind of an interesting way like that. So systems are important because if you ever want to step away from your business, you need someone to be able to look at something to say, this is how we run things. And so as an entrepreneur, even if you're just getting started, you might not know the answer to that greater question, you know, what's going to happen one day with my business? I'm just trying to make a buck right now, Sean. Come on, buddy. You know, help me out. If you want to be able to do things in a way that gets easier day after day, instead of having to beat your head against the same wall every single day or face the same problems every single day, it's imperative, I find, for entrepreneurs and for large businesses, too, to be able to look at putting even basic systems in place. So some of your listeners have probably read the book, uh, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Great book. And he has a line in there that really changed my life as an entrepreneur and a business owner. He said, if you're thinking about scaling, building processes, imagine that you had to create 5,000 businesses just like yours. 
like you were going to begin franchising Tom Singer's keynote and consulting business, what would you have to begin doing today to be able to open up 5,000 branches of your offices? And it has to start with systems. Here's how I turn on my computer. Here's the password I have to enter. Here's how I check my email. Here's how I uh, delineate which tasks need to get done first. Here's how I get ready for a keynote. Here's the stuff that I bring to that keynote. Systems everywhere eventually so that one day you can turn that over. The beauty of it is even if you decide to maintain a small team like I do, I have less than half a dozen team members at any one time. They all know what to do because my systems tell them what to do. So that's, so that's interesting because uh, my daughter, as I said, she didn't want to go into the, the world of big business and work 60 hours a week. Her, right. her, fi- her fiance is getting a PhD, so he still has sort of a, a flexible schedule. She wanted to have a life with him for the next couple mm-hmm. of years while he's a PhD. So one of the things she's doing, she's up for a job that's going to start uh, in September. Uh, she's pretty sure she's got it uh, lined up. But, you know, you know the way it is till you have a job offer. I, I don't know that you do. Uh, yeah. So in the meantime, she still has to pay her own way in the world. The deal is, is that uh, you graduate from college, you know, it's been fun, but you're an adult. And yeah. so one of the things she's doing, is she's doing some contract work and she's working for entrepreneurs just like you and I working on projects, scrubbing lists, uh, reviewing websites, doing, doing some uh, recommendations on, on things like that, where, where things aren't user friendly in her mind. And she happens to be the most detail oriented person and her, her work ethic is her secret superpower. Like if she was an Love Avenger, it. she would be work ethica because, yeah, yeah. because she, I mean, is that, but you know, where I think she will succeed is working on projects for people like you, because if you were to give her a system, you will never have found a contract worker who will do better than she will, but she's still young. So, you know, I mean, if you just say, you know, scrub a list or you know, do whatever, right. She'll do great and she'll work hard. But I think, you know, people like her, you know, move mountains when they're given a system, especially if they aren't familiar with that person's business. So most people do. By the way, that's that's a little commercial. That. That's a little commercial for everybody. If you have a small business and you need some contract work. Yeah. Uh, call, 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 Tom's girl. call me. <laughs> uh, and so the, the beauty of that is if she begins building systems into how she does what she's doing now for other entrepreneurs, um, she then makes that into a saleable asset. So she could be running, you know, her VA service incorporated one day and have those systems in place. Because once you do something once and it's successful, you capture that process. Now you can give it to someone else in the Philippines or oh, yeah. Malaysia a, or wherever. She, she was a systems person as a three-year-old. She had all the little you you know, toys lined up. Everything had its system in its place. So yeah, that's. Yeah, exactly. And so, and, and for, for entrepreneurs that may be asking themselves, well, systems sound great. I know I need them if I'm ever going to be a large business or be able to step away and spend a couple of weeks on the beach and the business continues to make money. Systems have to be in place. We, we get that, Sean. How do we begin building them? The best piece of advice I ever got was, um, you know, take your given day as an entrepreneur. It probably involves sales, marketing, research, product or service delivery, a couple of basic areas. Come up with a system for each of those that's not longer than 10 steps. So 10 steps, and you can just do one system a day. For sales, here are the 10 things I need to do in order to generate sales in this order. And don't keep it, you know, like it might be a a three or four dozen item long list. I want you to compact it down into 10. It might have sub steps, but just keep it as simple as possible for now. Make it 10 things in each of those areas. And then each day you can then show up at your desk, maybe a little hungover, maybe you're, you're spinning up ideas because you were listening to Tom's podcast and there's so many things you could be implementing. Now you can just look and say, it's time to work on sales. What's my system? Pull it up, 10 things, and just go line item by line item. It takes all the emotional stress out of having to reinvent the wheel every single day. So do you think you're this level of crazy ass systems guy, no offense, uh, 
because of your military and your Department of Defense background, or do you think you were drawn towards the military and the Department of Defense because you're such a systems guy? A great question. I don't think that I had the systems in place uh, when I was in the military and almost waited until I was outside the military to really kick me in the butt. Um, I was in the Marine Corps. That was the, the branch I was in. And I was the... Ooh, right? That Ura, right? That's right. And I was the most atypical Marine out there. I mean, I love to wear my hair as long as possible to just show disrespect which, to everybody which was, as often which, as I could. Which was three quarters of an inch? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not very long. Um, and so I, I was not this, you know, uh, like standard Marine, but they, they showed me what it was possible to accomplish with discipline. I mean, I saw them conquer nations with not intelligence and not the highest technology in the world, but with systems, with processes. They trained us all to not have to think about what needs to happen next. Just, here's the system. Here's the training. Go make it happen. And so as a result of that, when I became an entrepreneur and I was struggling because there were so many things I could be doing in any given day to begin generating revenue to actually build a business, I said, man, who's doing this really well? What, what expertise can I reach out to in my own life or my own past of people that have accomplished the thing that I'm trying to do? And it was people that had systems. And so if you, if, and I find this to be the case, even with entrepreneurs that don't have systems, if I sit down a really successful entrepreneur and ask them to lay out to me, how do you make a sale? It's extremely systemized. They're just keeping it in their head. Mm. They rarely are the most successful among us winging it day to day. <laughs> so Sean, I've got a couple more questions for you, but first I've got to thank the sponsor of this episode. Yeah. So this show, it's brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right training, equipment, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Sean Rhodes. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So I got like three more questions for you uh, that I usually close out with, but I want to, we kind of skipped over one. What, okay, is it, go ahead. what is it that you love about being an entrepreneur? Ah, uh, it's a great question. I love the fact that I'm in control of my time. That was easy. All right. So yeah, I, ca I, call, <laughs> I call the show, I was expecting something much longer. Uh, we call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's yeah. the coolest thing you're doing in your business right now? In Having all these systems, I realized now for speaking, um, those are the systems that I've built to run a great keynote speaking business that generates multiple six figures a year that doesn't require me to have to be there in order to run it. Because I built a system for everything, I realized now I have a saleable asset. It's not nearly in the direction I thought my business was going to go because most of my revenue comes from speaking and from consulting. But I realized it's all been systemized. Why can't I leverage this as a way to help other entrepreneurs that want to speak more get on stages? And so the coolest thing we're doing this year is taking all of those systems that we've built and offering it as a service in a lot of different ways to speakers. And uh, it's a great way to be able to look at how do we begin taking systems that we know work and building them as a way to generate more revenue for our businesses, whether that's from the actual keynote or from the follow on business that you want to do with the people in the audience. Awesome. So is that up and running? Is that something if people want to know more about, they can they can call you? Absolutely. Yeah. The best way to do that is to go to Facebook and hit up Speaker Sales Systems. That's our page. Speaker Sales Systems. That sounds you like uh, S-Cubed. Right. Yep, that's right. All right. So I ask everyone who comes on the show, who is it when you look out at the world of entrepreneurship and the entrepreneur sphere, if you will, that mm. you say, oh my God, he or she, they're doing something cool. 
Mm, who is that one person for me? That's really a great question. Um, I'd have to say it was a, daughter, a mentor your daughter, of mine. Your, your daughter. Uh, that's my daughter we, in the background. We, we she's doing something second. cool. She's figured out how to get the, the best gig because she doesn't even have to wipe herself. It's yeah, great. She's, you know what though? How old is she now? 14 months. Oh, you know how cute she is, Sean? Oh, she's so cute. I want you to enjoy it because they grow up, to, grow up, go to very expensive colleges, get engaged and, and don't pay you back. Yes, it's true. But she's already sassy. So I have that already in the bag. And that doesn't go away. So that never goes away. So never go ahead. Who, who, who is it that you admire? Yeah, I'll give a shout out to a guy named Barry Banther. Um, he was raised in the mountains of North Carolina, uh, pretty close to where I was, mountains of Georgia, actually. They're all bordered together now. There's no separation. But uh, <laughs> I, I look at him and I say, not just for the business that he's built, but for who he is as a person, to be married as long as he has, to have the just the quality of an individual he is. He's figured out how do you run a business in an ethical way that uh, allows you to really make an impact in the world. And so when I say, who do I want to grow up and be? It's Barry Banther. I think all of us who know Barry Banther want to grow up to be Barry Banther. I agree. <laughs> so the last question I ask everybody is, what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because I think as entrepreneurs, I think we're fortunate. And if you're fortunate, I believe you have a responsibility to do more than just make money. I think you have to somehow help others. So what do you do? Absolutely. I am heavily involved with a lot of different veteran transition projects. All the veterans that are leaving the uh, service now, whether they just want a full-time paid job, which they're used to in the military, or whether they want to branch out as entrepreneurs, and a lot of them do, um, involved in helping them get set up with the resources they need, the counseling, uh, helping them be successful as possible. We realized uh, locally here in the Tampa Bay area, the University of South Florida is not too far from me. They have a great veteran program for their students, but they had something like a 90% unemployment rate after graduation which is crazy because these veterans are supposed to have like amazing work ethic. And so after coaching them, working with them, making sure that they understood it's not about the resume, it's about the skill set you bring, we were able to get that number down to something like uh, short of 0.05% unemployment for all those veterans. So they were all immediately hired after graduation. We're very proud about that. Oh, that's And that's a great thing to be involved with. So good for you. Yeah. I, think that's, I think that's awesome. Hey, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, I, I, need, I need me some Sean Rhodes. Absolutely. How, how do they find you? Um, well, if they need me online, they can find me by going to speakersalessystems.com on Facebook. Uh, we're standing up the website very shortly, but that's not up yet. And if they want to find out about the way that I run my speaking business, they want to see what the marketing side of that looks like. Check out Shoshin Consulting, which is S-H-O-S-H-I-N consulting.com. That's where my uh, public facing website is. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on the show. You're, you're one of my favorite people in the, the world of speakers. I appreciate how giving you are and how helpful you've always been to me. So thank you so much for all that you do. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every single time. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. So I really appreciate you. Uh, if you like the show, do me a favor. Tell somebody. 100% almost of the people who contact me, I always ask them, how did you find the show? And everybody always says, word of mouth. They said, my boss listens to it. My mom listens to it. Uh, I had a teacher uh, listen to it. I met someone who was a, a business teacher. And we were talking, and we just met in an airport. And we were having a conversation. They worked for a small, almost a small university, but they taught business. And as I was talking, she looked at me, and she goes, what did you say your name was? And I repeated it. And she goes, I listen to your podcast. I make my yes. students listen to your podcast. And so I thought that's awesome. So, but it's always word of mouth. Uh, it's somebody who, who shares that. So I always say, go and tell people. If you really like the show, go over to iTunes and subscribe. Shows get ranked. We are in the top 200 career uh uh, career podcasts and the only reason is is people subscribe because that's where uh, iTunes gives you the credit so if you work in a big office walk around say who has an iPhone make everyone in the office subscribe 
I don't think anyone ever does that, but well, I have well, these fantasies. Do it for them, I, right? I have these fantasies of people like with a Norma Ray moment going, "Hold up your phones, yes. Go to the podcast app, subscribe." It doesn't Next time happen. you do a speech, Tom, that's what you should be that's doing with what, your audience. Yeah, that's probably out of my normal way of doing things, but <laughs> but, but it's it's a great idea. It's a great it's a great dream that I have recurring. Uh, but again, uh, if you like the show, review it on iTunes, subscribe on iTunes, tell your friends. But more importantly, send me a note. You can do it on Twitter. You can do it on Facebook. You can do it on LinkedIn. We're all, all over the social medias. It's all Tom Singer, T H O M S I N G E R. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with interviews with people just as cool as Sean Rhodes. I know you're thinking that. Well, that would be impossible but we always seem to figure it out. So in the meantime, go out there, try new things, get out there, shake it up. And while you're doing it, have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.